Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at bkcwest.com. All right, so we are continuing a four-week series called 30 Days of Community. So we're dialing in, focusing for four weeks on uh, this amazing community that's called the church. And last week we looked at how the idea of how we love better together, looking at how the way that we're known, like Jesus said, look, this is the anchor of everything that you do is that, is that people will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And every time I've ever taught that, it's so refreshing for everyone, uh, not because I teach it, uh, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying because it reminds us of home. It reminds us of home, like this is who we are, like this is our superpower, is this love that we receive from Jesus. And it takes away all the pressure of all the trying to, you know, compete or do different things in different ways. It's just, we're to love one another. Um, today, uh, we're going to look at how we care better together. And then next week, we grow better together, and then we serve better together. And so um, we're meeting in small groups online or, or in homes. I want to encourage each of you to hop into at least one week of, of these groups. We had one start last week. And the idea is, is just the simplicity of sharing a meal together. Um, if you're not comfortable doing that, we'll put an on, we have online opportunities. Um, but uh, it's to just share a meal and be with other people. And then we have some simple questions we walk through based upon the topic that we're doing in the week. But, but hop in, hop in and, and just enjoy uh, something with other people for at least one week during the four weeks. Um, my family and I, we actually moved here from uh, San Diego a few years ago. And so, you know, different places, like if we had said we moved from uh, Colorado, you may say, oh, the mountains and the snow and the skiing, that sort of thing. Well, if you say you moved from San Diego, people think, oh, the beach, right? Uh, the beach and, you know, the ocean, it's so beautiful. And the interesting thing is that there's tons of people in San Diego that actually never use the beach. They never go to the beach. They never, I mean, they may drive by on their way to work or they're on their way something, but they never walk on the beach. They never stick their toes in the sand and, and feel the, 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 the warmth or the cold of the water, depending on what season. They actually pay for it and they actually, you know, go through all of this, and, and all these things, and they, but they never, you know, sense the ocean air, you know, and, and breathe it in and get there. They just are always just going, going, going. So there's some people like that, like it's just a choice, like they don't take the time to enjoy it. But then there's others, believe it or not, like inner city uh, families uh, that are higher need. Like uh, there's a bunch of uh, youth in San Diego. They, of course, would love the beach, but uh, there's actually uh, an organization called Outdoor Outreach, and uh, they uh, actually try to get youth from the inner city out to enjoy uh, creation and nature, you know, out to get out, get them out hiking in the mountains, uh, you know, near San Diego or get them to the beach and those diff different things. And so, so that they can actually experience it. And they have stories that actually they've met inner city youth that, you know, teenagers lived at least 13 years and they've never even seen a picture of the beach, you know? And so you're, you may be thinking right now, like, well, that's really sad. Or you're saying, Cody, we are landlocked people in the middle of the country. Are you really expecting us to have empathy for these people that, you know, they're at least like in shouting distance of, of, of the thing. We're not feeling bad. Well, the, the point isn't about the beach. 
But the point is, is this. This is the statement that one of these uh, youth said. Although we live within driving distance of the beach, sometimes paradise feels unreachable. And it's, it's this thing that I'm trying to throw alongside this idea of care. Because anybody that has ever read the Bible or heard about Jesus or, or read the stories of the early church where you see this amazing kumbaya thing where they just love one another and they serve one another and do these things. Anybody that's ever seen that can say, well, that's paradise, the way Jesus loves and the way that we see these early Christians love. But then I get in the local church and sometimes it's a place that one person said that they shoot their own wounded. That actually I see the beach, but it's not paradise because somehow actual care and not just like receiving it, but like me getting to a place that I can actually be vulnerable enough to give care to others too. You see, a lot of people approach church, approach the gathering of the people of God in a very independent way because they don't want to get too close. In one, on one hand, it's like, yeah, I want the care. I want those things. And I know other people do too, but it's not safe. I've heard stories or, you know, a lot of, you know, some of you come limping in here, you know, uh, what we've seen a lot and, and we are a very imperfect church where we, we care amazingly and we love amazingly, we serve amazingly on those things, but we're all very imperfect people, you know, but, but one thing I've seen, um, throughout the years in the churches we pastors that is that, is that we've seen a DNA that, um, we attract uh, recovering Christians. In other words, people that have been, been experienced that, that wounding, even when they're wounded. And there, there's a refreshing of Jesus that people come and say, you know what? Okay, I can, I can do this. And so I say, you know, let's have that more though. Let's become a place that people really are cared for and that we really provide care to. So what we're going to look at today is Romans chapter 12. And just like these outdoor adventure people, they set a clear path. They said, hey, let's get teens. It's a problem. Let's get teens out to the things that seem so far away from them. Let's set a clear path and let's get them into nature and these things. Well, <clears throat> Paul in the New Testament, he actually lays out in Romans and he sets a clear path for people to experience care that they're supposed to have. Now, listen, don't, Michelle, go ahead and go back, please. Um, there you go. Um, uh, so if, if you want care, you kind of have to, you kind of have to hop into it and, and be, and be vulnerable. Right. And, and, and also too, uh, it's kind of a thing of like, which comes first, the, the chicken or the egg? Because we can sit there all day long and just say, well, people should be this, people this, whatever. But I'll tell you, um, for care to really happen in a community, we, we have to get out of our comfort zone. You see, some are very much comfortable just receiving care. Like, come on, just let me have it, right? It's just we're constant care. Like, listen, I know you want to care and I'm going to be cared for. Just, you know, let me have it. <clears throat> and then others, uh, their thing is they just are going to care. And so have you ever, if you're that person that just loves to care for other people, um, 
when somebody cares for you, you feel awkward. Because you're like, hey, I'll do this all day long for somebody else, but for me, this makes me uncomfortable. And so for it to really happen with a commu- in a community, we have to go to our opposite. So those that always receive care, we have to get outside of ourselves and see other people in need and help care for them. And then people that just love to give it out but not receive it, we have to allow ourselves to be cared for. And so what Paul does is he lays a picture out. First of all, recognize the fact that he's writing to a church these things. Recognize that they weren't perfect, the early church. Some people get like an idyllic picture of the early church because you see things like they all had everything in common and they were together. And that, no, they had so many problems. They have the same problems we have. But Paul actually shares the heart of God and the heart of Jesus saying, hey, this is how it can be. And so chapter 12 of Romans, and and, uh, it actually starts with this. It says, uh, and and don't go over there yet, Michelle. Thanks. Because online, what it does is it puts it on the screen. Thank you. Um, uh, So uh, it says this, chapter 12, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. So literally, therefore, give your bodies to God because of the mercies he has shown you. And so in other words, in light of what you've seen, the idea is you're up on this great vista and you see all that Jesus has done for you. What shall you now do? How now shall you live? And uh, it's an important question. In other words, just like the youth in San Diego, like, well, there's this paradise out there, but it seems so far away. What shall we do? <clears throat> Here's some of the mercies that Paul writes about in Romans uh, chapters 1 through 11. It, it says how we're justified from the guilt and penalty of our sin. It shows how we're adopted in Jesus and, ade- identi- and we identify with Christ. It shows how we've been brought under grace in the place of, in the place of law. It shows how we've been given the Holy Spirit and he lives within us. Guys, can we not do that now? Thank you. Um, It shows how we have promises that help us in our affliction. It shows how we have an assurance of a place in God's election. It shows how there's a promise and hope that gives us confidence. It shows how we have a coming glory. It shows how we will never be separated from the love of God. And it shows God's continued faithfulness to us in chapters 1 through 11 of Romans. And so it's like when you see all of that, when you look all of that, when you're taught all of that, how shall we live now? What should we do? So so what Paul writes... In light of all of that, this is what we should do. All right, so Romans chapter 12, verse 1. <clears throat> and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. (laughs) Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. All right. So that's a lot. That's a lot there. But this is what Paul does when he writes his letters. He writes like all these like theological truths, like the kind of that I read through that are like these amazing things that God does. And then what he does is he says, okay, now how do we apply this to our lives? Now we could spend like months just walking through what we just read, but I I really like the new living translation that it lays out like, Hey, here's, here's how you do this. Here's how you walk through these things. But a decision has to be made first for any Christian and for us as a church, which is I need other believers and they need me. Because there is a little bit of something that can seep in where church can be like a transaction. I go, I get encouraged, I hear the word, I get my worship on, and then I go back to my life. But as far as the Christians... Do I really need them during the week? Do they really need me? That sort of thing. And the answer absolutely is yes. And do they really need me on Sunday? And, um, and do I really need them? The answer is yes. 
You know, I mean, we don't have tons of problems with this. Like, right, when we tra- do our transitions, when we start and pray, whatever, it's like, hey, you guys, we're starting, you know, because you guys are sharing with one another and talking to one another. And so, so we have a wonderful spirit of that, of care for one another and wanting to know each other. But there's a few things that in this passage that we need to point out. First of all, there's a way of doing this. And it's, 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 it's actually... Um, doing it in response to all that you've seen. It's recognizing that this is written to a people, a local church, right? It's not individual. It actually says, I like the way it says it. It says, um, it says, present, give your bodies to God because of all he's done. It says in verse one, it says, let them be a living sacrifice. Well, what's them? It's like, let all of your bodies be a living sacrifice. And the idea is like the whole of you, like all of you, let it be a living sacrifice. And so the sacrificial system, we, we're, we're not that much, we're not that big on this, except we're in Kansas City, there's a lot of barbecue, right? But, you know, so you, you bring your meat to the barbecue. But back then they would do sacrifices on the altar and, and, and the sacrifice would be burned up. But the idea here is, is that actually, the idea is, is that a sacrifice is not brought dead to the altar, but the sacrifice is brought living to the altar, and it keeps giving. It's not just a moment of giving, but it keeps giving. It's like keeping itself at the altar. So this is my response in all that Jesus has done. And then it says that if we do this, we'll be transformed by God and that our thinking will change and that we'll learn God's way to live. I mean, I just keep coming back to that time and time again. Like um, one of the most powerful things I've ever done in my life is just, is just try to read the Bible every day. Try to read a chapter of the Bible and just get in the Bible every day because what it's done is it reorients my thinking and my mind and my heart to a different story. And it's actually the story. It's God's story. And so when I read the Bible, I see the way God really is. I see the way that people really are. I see really the way things are. And it gets me out of the news and the, the highs and lows of different things that are here. And so and in it, I find God's way to live. And so um, next, verses 3 through 5 of what we just read, we see that if we're to care for one another, then we have to be humble together. Right? Uh, I may have told you guys before, I, we had a, a camp. We, um, I used to do youth ministry, Michelle and I. That's when we first started serving together. And... Um, uh, at a church in San Diego 20 plus years ago, uh, we did youth ministry together. And so uh, we had this camp and this, this one young man got up and, and it's testimony time, you know, testimony of what Jesus has done in your heart and your life. And, and he goes, I just need to tell you guys, I used to be really prideful, but now I'm really impressed how humble I am. <laughs> right? And he's, 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 he's a great young man and, and actually is making a huge difference in the world and people's lives. And, and he's awesome. He just didn't understand what he was saying, but it always stuck with me. I'm like, I don't think we're, you know, we're getting this right, you know, but that's what this is saying. It, it says that, uh, there's a warning, right? In verse three, it says, it says, uh, uh, I, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. The idea here isn't really so much better, but it's like, don't think of yourself as like more multifaceted than you really are, 
right? So, and it goes on to talking about us as a body and different parts of the body that function together and move. But it's as simple as saying like, you know, like there's uh, on a car, there's an engine. If you're an engine, don't think that you're also the transmission. It's saying that. And how freeing is that is to just say, oh, I'm an engine. Wow, I do all of these things and, and I accomplish this. And, and without me, this really wouldn't happen. But in life, it's so hard because we see people that are, that are unlike us or have different things and they get more attention or they have more gifts that more are up front or, 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 you know, and so we sit there and we compare ourselves. But what God says is like, hey, without you, without each one of you, this isn't whole. And so just be who you are, your shape, your fit. And it actually says that the way to do this is to measure ourselves by our given faith, or in other words, like who we are and what God has given us. And also to realize too that, hey, you know, like if we look at it like, like in our Christian pedigree, right? He's saying like, look at yourself through the eyes of the faith that God's given you. In other words, it's saying like, even your very faith to believe in God was given to you. Like you didn't just like, because oh, I have this great faith and that's why I'm, no, it, it, you, you may have a great faith, but that faith is given to you by God. Everything we have is given to us. And so no one should really be able to boast. Um, so a couple questions. How is your thinking about yourself or others blocking care in this community? You know? Uh, maybe either in a negative light or too positive light. You know, how is it blocking care in this community? Next is, how is your thinking about yourself or others birthing care in our community? Like, in other words, recognizing, hey, I have this, who I am, and this really helps and how I'm seeing myself. <clears throat> the next thing is, is that we see a picture of growing together, Right? That's when it gets into the gifts in this passage. And we have all these different gifts. We put out a, a, a new card, like in your seat backs, there's the communication card, but we put something out at the start of the year called a grow here card. And that's what we've come up with saying, like we had some people ask that were newer and they're like, hey, I don't know what to do, you know, or, or I, I, I want to find out about this. And we're like, okay, we're, we're blowing it here. Like we need to have a real clear path for people to get care for people to find community, for people to serve in a certain way, because it was all in a bunch of different places. So there's this grow here card, but there's a section on there that says care. And we wanted to make it easy, but we also wanted to put our flag in the, in the, in the sand and just say, you know what? This is a place that if we need care, we're going to let somebody know. Because I will tell you, usually when something, usually when something gets to me, it's way down the road. Like it's, it's, it's a real big problem. And it's kind of like, hey, this is really bad. And I just want to tell you that the way the church is set up 
that if we offer care and receive care, that we actually, and I know it's hard, but to be present and say, you know what? I think I've kind of stepped in this river of unhealth. Or I think we, we need help. Or I think something's wrong, right? Like, I just want you to know that the church is set up that it's like, it, it doesn't have to be way bad. We can handle way bad. And we can help in way bad. But the church is set up that we actually bring little things to each other. Like, hey, I'm struggling here. Or I think I need help with this. It doesn't have to be this big, gnarly thing. So let me just be clear, though. If you got something real bad, bring it. Come on. (laughs) Jesus can handle it. We can handle it. But also, too, if you feel you're off a little bit or there's different things going on or, or you're recognizing, like, in your marriage that things are off, like, you know, there's not... There's not quite the, you know, the togetherness or the unity or, or we're arguing a lot or these things and we're not able to find unity on this. Or, or if you find, you look at your business and you're just like, man, my business is, is doing really bad and, and, and I'm, I need wisdom here and what I'm doing. Or you're trying to make decisions in life or, or you're wondering, you know, what's a healthy way to have a relationship? You're dating or those things. You're like, how do I do all of these things? You can put all the reasons, all the things we have in there and say, we care for one another in that. We help each other with those answers. That's what we do. And so the growing together is is a piece where we actually bring this fit into this body. And so uh, it lays out different gifts here. And I'll just kind of walk through. So so in the church, we all want to hear what God sees. Like hear what God sees. Well, here's the thing is that prophecy is needed for this. Is that. See, prophecy, what this is speaking of, is sharing, like, God's heart, sharing what God sees, sharing God's perspective. So when somebody gets up and teaches the Bible, like me, prophecy is happening, partly. And then other times, God will speak certain things to people and see certain things about what's going on with them and share those things. And that person's like, whoa, God sees me, right? And you can't play games. You can't play games anymore because God sees you. And so prophecy is needed because we all need to know God's perspective and what's going on. We all need help. And so it talks about servants. And so we need servants that invite God's presence. That's actually what it's speaking about. If you serve, serve this way. It's saying, like, be a servant to be able to invite God's presence into situations, into the church and life and, and, and on. Um, we all want to learn and get to know God in his way. So we need teachers that teach God's word. And as I'm walking through this, my intention is, is that if this is you, like you sense that this is you, how God's gifted you, it's saying, we need you. This is how you care. This is also how we don't get to the place that it's all just bad stuff when it becomes like it's horrible situations when it becomes visual for the rest of the body. Because if we're doing and functioning these things, things get caught earlier. We all need encouragement to be doers of what we believe. So we need encouragers to exhort us in living out our faith, right? So the teaching is, is like what, what, what I'm doing right now. So I'm going to teach here I'm going to teach us something about a truth or principles from the Bible. Exhorters are saying, do what you know. 
Like, you know this, you've got this, it's in you, God's put this in you, here's a truth that you know, that's what exhorters do. They come along and do that. Uh, Ministries, churches, and those in need, the poor, we need resources. So we need generous people, and what it's talking about is who give in simplicity and not self-seeking. Give generously in in, a not self-seeking way. It talks about leaders. Leaders are needed every day. So we need growing leaders. It talks about diligent and growing leaders, right? If you've ever been around a leader that's not growing, it's not good. Right? Because they're always going off of what happened yesterday. And they're always going off that. And and the leader isn't so much leading anymore other than like, like just kind of like positioning. But we need leaders that are growing, that are learning themselves and walking through that. Uh, we need mercy, kindness, and cheer. So we need people full of mercy, kindness, and cheer, bringing that to other people. And so the whole idea here in these verses is that, is that we're creating a community of love with Jesus. Verse 9, it says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. That's a great concept. Well, how do you do that? These gifts. You, all of you here, function and move in these gifts. If we went around, you fit into one of these areas. You may not know it yet, but actually you function in moving these areas. And we are not whole unless you function in that. And I know it's hard because we have so many other things going in our life, but our faith becomes real when we function in these ways that God's gifted us for other people. So we become a community that loves authentically, affectionately, and honors each other. It also, the last in verse nine too, it talks about dropping what's evil and holding what's good, right? We need help from each other. So questions on this, as far as growing together, what gifts has God given you for us? Every single one of you has a gift that God's given you for us. I mean, that's what the church is. It's just this perpetual gift exchange, perpetual gift exchange of, of giving the gifts that God gives us and giving them to other people. So how are you giving them? And if you're not able to answer that, like if you're not giving that, that's okay, but start, figure out what it is and and give. Um, And then even a more uh, focused question, what gifts have you been keeping from others? I mean, literally, and this isn't like a, a shame thing, but literally, like there's, there's people always gathered in the church that need what you have. In, in, the, in the way like culture set up and that sort of thing, it's like who's up here kind of gets the attention. It's like, okay, this person has what we need. Trust me, I don't have what you need. I don't have all what you need. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Ask my wife. She's been with me for 22 years. I've got tons of stuff that you need. I mean, I have, I lack tons of stuff that you need. But it's about a body. Bringing all of those things together, caring for one another. And then the last part of this whole thing talks about sacrifice together. So it's talking about fostering an attitude of sacrifice. It talks about working hard and serving the Lord enthusiastically. It talks about rejoicing, having a long-term thinking. It talks about being ready to, to, to help your church family. It talks about looking for opportunities to share with and welcome others. That's an attitude of sacrifice. It's the, that we approach life this way. I was at this... Uh, 
an interesting event yesterday. Uh, I, I hadn't been to one before. So it was a powerlifting meet. Have you ever been to a powerlifting meet? Yeah, one person, yeah? One, you've been to a powerlifting meet? Yeah, okay. So I mean, it's, it's just like, uh, estrogen and testosterone is just like, you know, all over the place, man. It's just like young men and women just like, you know, and, and there's one of the schools, it was interesting, like these dudes, like they decided that they were gonna lift in jorts. <laughs> Do you know what those are? Like jean shorts? And so it was just kind of different. It was, it was their thing, I guess. And they look pretty strong, so I guess it worked. <laughs> but it's this, I, I was watching the dynamics of this, the, the people, and you, you had something like four, over 400 participants, and they were all going together, and you had three different lifts. You had squats, you had power cleans, and then, uh, and then you have bench, Okay. And, uh, and it, what was interesting is that, is that someone would hop on and do their, do their lift, <clears throat> and then their job now, you know, they're the focus, they do their thing, and everybody's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And you, I mean, in the whole, like we're watching from the whole gym up here, and we're watching, and it's so interesting, the dynamics of it, because you'd see, come on, come on, come on, come on, and then that person's doing the lift, and then they do the thing, but then they join the, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, and, and it's just this pockets of, come on, come on, yeah, 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 and then, or it's like, oh, you know, if they don't get it or whatever, but the sacrifice of it is you get your moment where what you've been working for, you're going to this place, you're going to this thing, but then you join this thing, and it's a sacrifice, it's a sacrifice where you're joining in with the others, where you're joining in with the cheering. Like you're not just focused on your thing. And it was interesting. I watched some though, and that they were all about like catching in the, come on, come on, come on, come on. They'd get it. But then when other people were doing it, they just had no interest. It wasn't so much about doing that. And they were unwilling to sacrifice. So it was like, they're a vacuum, Right. They just take in, take in, but they wouldn't sacrifice themselves. And so giving away to others everything that Jesus has given you is the idea that we see in the passage of sacrifice. Giving God's stuff to those that come against you. It talks about if you have enemies or people do things. And it can feel that way sometimes. Like you get close enough to people and you, you feel like you have an enemy. Uh, John Wimber, who helped establish the Vineyard Association of Churches, uh, you know, he said, you know, my brother is never my enemy, even when he acts like it. It's pretty good. You know, and so when it comes to your brothers and sisters in Christ, like even if it seems like they're your enemy, they never are, even if they act like it. And so what we do is to sacrifice one way relationally is that I'm going to give the stuff that Jesus has given me to other people, right? He's given me mercy, even when I didn't deserve it. He shows grace upon me, not because of my performance, but just because of his great love for me. And so that's, as Christians, that's what we just do. We, we unload the stuff of Jesus onto other people in community. Talks about living simply and staying humble. And then it talks about not having vengeance or, or, or you know, uh, showing vengeance or, or getting back to people or revenge on people, right? Trusting God with that. And so I'm, I'm sharing all of this, and you can go back and read it to just say that it's not enough to just say, 
I want to have a community of care and I want to be cared for. I want to care others. It's to realize that it really takes these real things, humility, growing, sacrifice, hopping into these things. These are the ideas that it takes to really have that community where we have it. So, so where in your life is it easy for you to sacrifice, right? Like no problem. I can do that. That's great. But where in your life are you defensive or standoffish? What's hard is, is that with, with Jesus, it, there is the places of like, yeah, hey, that's easy. I'm going to keep sacrificing there. But then Jesus is like, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this stuff over here. You mean my time? Yeah. Let's talk about your time. No, don't mess with my time. I have my schedule. I've got my schedule set. This is how it works. Or, hey, let's talk about your resources. No, let's not talk about my resources. I've worked real hard for my resources. And the Lord says, yeah, but you know what, though? I want you to share your resources with those people. You know, or it's like, hey, let's talk about your home. Ah, I love my home. But it's my home. The Lord says, your home? I made the wood that made it. I made all the material, you know, those things. And so, I mean, you get the idea that, like, there's areas that we're just not comfortable sacrificing. And the Lord says, like, hey, open up those for others. And, you know, we have uh, these groups we have. We, uh, Michelle and I, we're doing two groups. So we're doing one group for any high school students that are hopping in. And so um, we had a, a good group of high school students the other night. And, um, and then we're doing a group for adults at our home. And um, with the high school students, we asked them like an icebreaker question. I should have done it for the adult one too. But so we asked them like, hey, what three things would you bring to a desert island with you? And I was really impressed. None of them said their phone. Isn't that amazing? Not one of them. And I brought that up. They said, well, you can't use it. You know, so they actually walked through it. They're like, you know, I mean, if it's a desert island, there's not service. I mean, you know, come on, you're not going to do it. And how would you charge it? And whatever. I'm like, well, you, so I'm the one thinking like you use a solar phone, whatever. But they were all, it was so boring. Like I expected better answers. And maybe they've been asked this before, but they're all basically like all the things that they need, like water, fire source, and, you know, these things, whatever. And, and, I mean, they really had it down. But they just focused on what they need. It wasn't impractical whatsoever. And that's what, like, what we're talking about here. These things. This is how it happens. These things. And uh, um, we love the, like, the videos that play online. Like, oh, my gosh. Look what these people did for these other people. And this is amazing. And, and oh my, look at this grand effort. And look at these things. We love all of those stories and all of those videos of things. But then when we look at our own lives, right? We, like when we consider doing that, like sacrificing, being humble, growing ourselves so we can be in those things. When we look at that, we realize how much it costs. It, it costs so much. And when you realize that, when you sense that, you are at the place of your spiritual growth. That is where spiritual growth happens. It doesn't happen anywhere else. Spiritual growth does not happen on your own. Spiritual growth happens always with others. And so if you want to become the person you're made to be, to grow, when you sense that tug, that sense of cost, that sense of a, like almost an affront on your very well-being, 
dive in. That's the moment. Because when we care for one another, either in this body or we care for those in, in, out in the world, guess what? You're not just like a random person like, well, I guess I'm doing this because I'm supposed to. You are caring for people with the, the whole resources of the kingdom of God behind you. When you care for someone, when you ask somebody, hey, can I help you? Or how are you doing? Or what do you need? You are representing God himself as a Christian. How is that? Like you have the full resources behind it. If you're a follower of Jesus, when you approach somebody, you're representing like, hey, can I help you? What do, I, what do you need? Now, if somebody approaches that doesn't have that, they have the resources that they have. And so recognize it then, that when you have something going on in your life, this place is, is, is not just a social club. That when you need something or, or you're hurting or something's going wrong in your life, you can approach this body, these people, this staff, these people, and everything that you need is at our resources. Absolutely everything. Right? There's more here than Walmart. Walmart. Way more than any other place. Way more than Amazon. Way more than anything else. This is where you can get absolutely what you need. That's why as a church, when there's needs within the community, and we hear about it, it's like, yeah, we'll do that. I don't even think for a second, do we have what that takes? No. The answer is usually pretty no. But we just do it. Why? Because God has everything. And so what if we cared for each other that way? It didn't say, well, I don't have what that person needs or that sort of thing. But God does, and the body does. And so that's what we do. So how do we take this home? Well, decide that you need other believers in your life and that they need you. Decide that. And then these three things, being humble together, like having a right view of yourself and seeing that you, f- you have a fit and who you are. Growing together, uh, actually making an effort to grow in, in, in who you are and like in, in spending time in that and being diligent in that or sacrificing together. Now, you may look and say, you know, I'm doing pretty good on all three of those. But what's your number three? Like, what's your third? Like, what's the one that you're like, man, I... I don't come near that at all. What's your third? Maybe that's the growth area. That's where the Lord wants to push on. And so my uh, intent with this message, you guys, is this. Because is that it takes real work to become a caring community. It takes real work to sustain that. It takes real work to, to, like, uh, to support all that has to happen. And part of it too, the reason I say this and push on this is that when, when we continue to grow as a caring community, we can support more. Because we have a way bigger vision for our community, for our city, than we actually do for our church. Like our desire is that this entire community 
this Piper area, this Bonner area, this Baser area, Leavenworth, Parkville, like all the different places, Zona Rosa, all the different places that we have people and living. Our desire is that there be people transformed by the love of Jesus, and that would transform the community. That all the problems that the politicians and all the people are always trying to solve, and it's all over the news, that those would actually dissipate because people would be transformed. And so you look at that, and, but we can't do that to the extent that we can do that is to the extent that we live it out and do it ourselves. And so God says, can you come deeper? Can you come in further? Can you sacrifice more? Can you, can you, can you, can you uh, give yourself to growing more? Can you see other people as they are? Can you see yourself as humble? That's the call of Jesus. He says, if anyone would come after me, let them take up their cross and follow me. And it's not like a veiled thing, but he's saying like, look, following me is like being crucified. Your old life is going to fade in this new life. This new way of living is going to come, but it's the best thing that you could ever have. It's the best life that you could ever have in me. And it happens in the community. Thanks for listening this week. If you are looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, go to vkcwest.com. 